so this summer we've got a lot of stuff going on. I don't know about you guys. You ever had a summer that you were going into that you were like, this summer's going to be good. Like, this is going to be a good summer. Like, things are going the right way. For those of you that are already working, it was probably before you started working uh, back in, when you were in school. But I remember my first summer after college. I, I just got done with... Uh, with college, I knew my grades were going to be okay, so I wasn't worried about going home. Uh, and so I remember I, I was getting ready to go home. I had a job that was going to pay 15 bucks an hour, so I was like psyched about that. It had good hours, so I was going to be able to hang out with my friends, all that kind of stuff. It was great. And on top of it, uh, my sister had come up to visit me at UF. She was going to be going to UF, and she brought some of her friends, many of whom were good looking. So I was excited. Like, I was like, okay, uh, they're incoming freshmen, I can get, you know, in ahead of the game, maybe they'll, I'll tell them all the rest of the college guys are horrible, but me, like, I don't know. And so they're up, and they're like, I, I, we want to see the campus, and so my sister brought her car, which, many of you don't know what this is, but it was the Caprice Classic, it was the old, big, white boats, like, the old police cars. It was this big car, and so we took it out, and I needed to drive, because I was like, I, I need to show you guys where to go, and so we're driving around. I remember driving, and, I, and I'm not really paying attention because there's girls, and I'm not paying attention because I'm telling everybody what's going on. And I remember speeding up in this Caprice, and like I said, this was a big car. And so as we're going forward, we go over a hill, which is something we don't have in Tampa. They have a couple of them in Gainesville. We go over a hill, and right as I'm looking over the hill, I, I see what you get scared of, right? You see somebody there with bright red taillights on. And I remember looking and going, oh my gosh, and you do what you always do. You slam on your brakes, you grab the steering wheel really hard because that helps. And you know, you slam on your brakes and you're hoping, because there's been those moments where you've seen that, you slam on your brakes and your car stopped, or you've slammed on your brakes and they move forward and it's been okay. But I slammed on my brakes because the car that I was in was so big, it skidded into the back of the Volvo in front of me. And so immediately I am less attractive to all the girls in the car. And I, I'm not thrilled about it. On top of it, you know, it messed up my sister's, the front end of the car. The Volvo had like a small dent in it. Like, you should buy one of those. Those are good. But it had like, it had nothing in it. I remember going, oh my gosh. Called up my dad. My dad's like, all right, well, you gotta take it in. My sister couldn't go back home. And so I had to actually drive her and her friends back home in my car because the car had to stay up there. All of a sudden, my 15 hour, uh, a, a, our job, I got to use that money to pay for all the damages on my sister's car. Uh, I ended up uh, getting back late for a final because I had to bring my sister back. I remember just going, my goodness, this is awful. And it goes from something that was like so great, so possible, to something that just it was awful. And I think many of you are in that place right now where you're like, man, you know what? Maybe it was at the beginning of the year, like this year's going to be different. Uh, this time it's going to be different. For some of you, it's like this summer, I'm going to use it for something. And that's why we're doing so much. It's like, man, if your life is filled with your financial stuff is going awful, you're like, I don't know. I don't check my bank account because I'm afraid what's in it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If I just don't check it, it's, everything's going to be fine. You know, if you have all this student debt, you have this stuff going on, you should go to FPU. If you're like, man, I want to figure out, you know, how do I lead when I'm not ahead? How do I know when to quit a job or when to stay in a job? These kind of things. And you want to go to the leadership track. If you're like, I just want to find some friends. Then you go to Friday Night Hanks. So what I want to talk about tonight is kind of a basic thing. It's kind of a basic thing, but it's something that no matter how long you've been a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, you're in here tonight, it's probably the reason you look at Christians the wrong way. And it's the fact that we get confused so often on what Christianity is. And so tonight we're going to look into the book of uh, Galatians, which was written by a guy named Paul. 
Paul was an apostle. Apostle, he's not a pastor. Apostle did this. He went from town to town and he started churches. And the way Paul would then keep in touch with the churches is he would write letters to them. The one, Galatians, is to the church in Galatia. And so he's writing letters to them because what would happen is Paul would come in and he goes, this is what God's all about. He would leave. Then all of a sudden, these other people would come in behind him and say, Paul's kind of right. You should believe these things. So he actually starts off the letter kind of nice. So I'll, I'll read this. So here's what they would do. They would read this to the church. And so this first part sounds good. Galatians 1, 1 to 5 says, Paul, an apostle sent not from man nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who, ra who was raised from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters to me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's reading these things, and they're going, okay, that sounds good. He seems okay with us. Maybe this is just going to be a letter where he goes, you guys are doing an amazing job. And all of a sudden, in verse 6, it changes. Says, I am astonished. That's not like a really big word, but imagine this being a big word. Like, I don't know. I am, I am, like, literally, I cannot believe what you guys are doing. That you so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Yes, there is a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. See, this was what was going on. Basically, Paul would come in and he would leave. The Jewish people would come in. They were Christians, but they didn't like the fact that all of a sudden Christianity took away all the Jewish laws. It's like, I've been doing all these things my entire life. I still want credit for it. And so they're coming in behind Paul and they're going, hey guys, here's the deal. You follow God, the Jesus thing, that's great, but you also have to follow all these laws. You also have to do all these things. And one of the laws that was kind of a, a, a tough one to get along with that they were very much trying to do is they were trying to tell all the men that if you want to become a Christian, you would have to be circumcised. So like all the Jewish guys, they got circumcised when they were a baby. All the guys, they're going, hey, um, so in our membership class, you get to hear about the church and then we circumcise you afterwards. So basically it turned into a female-only class. And so... They're like, I'm not about this. Doesn't, this doesn't sound good. But they're, with the Jewish people, they're mad. They're going, all of these good things that we've done, it's kind of like this. Those of you that are older siblings, you understand this. It's like you grow up, you had to deal with all these rules. Your younger sibling comes behind you, and you're like, why don't they have to do that? And you get mad. You don't believe in the rule, but you want them to do it. Like, you're like, I did it, so they have to do it. It's kind of like this. They're going, I had to do these things. How come they don't have to do them anymore? And so what they're doing is this, is they're taking, they're taking something that's supposed to be a relationship with Christ, something that's supposed to be living, and they're turning it into a dead religion. See, it, it's always interesting to me the way people respond when I tell them that I'm a pastor. I get all different responses. And even with you guys, you know this, when, when somebody finds out that you're a Christian, some people are perfectly okay with it, and some people react different ways. Uh, I've told you guys some stories before on cruises, but there's one that I don't think I've told before, and it's kind of purposefully, but I, I remember whenever we go on a cruise, we get sat at a table of six people, and the hardest part about it is you sit down, and sooner or later, they're going to ask you what you do, and as soon as they tell, I say I'm a pastor, the entire conversation changes, and so we try, I literally try to steer the conversation away from that as long as possible, so the least they can get to know I'm a halfway normal person, and I'm not judging them. Well, we sat down at this table, and I kid you not, there was two single ladies that, that showed up that were middle-aged single ladies that showed up, and we had another couple next to us. And one of the single ladies sat down, and she goes, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to get drunk and have a threesome. <laughs> and, 
I was like, oh no. <laughs> Chrissy moved closer to me at that moment. She's like, oh. But I was like, oh man. And so I really didn't want her to find out that I was a pastor right away. And then literally, there's like a couple days into it. I remember them finally going around like, so what do you do? And I wanted to be like, you know, I'm in sales because, you know, I'm selling, I don't know, that sounds wrong. But I said, I'm a, I literally said I'm a pastor and you, to look at the lady, she goes, oh no, I'm going to hell. <laughs> she literally did. She's like, uh, I, that's it. But she goes, it's all right. She goes, I don't even like Christians. And, but here's the deal, here's the deal. I understood exactly what she's saying because I, I know what she's talking about. I know the Christians she's talking about. So I was like, yeah, I don't like them either. She's like, pastor, you're a pastor. I'm like, no. The Christians you're talking about aren't the Christians I like either. You're talking about the judgmental ones, right? The ones that hold them themselves in such high regard, that look down on everybody else, the ones that are hypocritical, all that. She goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, I don't like them either. You see, they're following a God that's not the same God that I follow. You see, it's interesting when you tell somebody that, it's like this idea, when somebody finds out you're a Christian, many times what do they do? There's a PR problem with Christianity. To the point that people think it's all about rules, it's all about these things, and if you aren't perfect, then everyone looks down on you. It's something that is supposed to be based on a relationship, but it comes out being based on rules. I mean, I know so many people that have been pushed away or have run away from church because of that. Like, I don't belong here. This is not what it's supposed to be. I look at Jesus, but I look at his followers, and I see very different things. So really the question is, in Christianity, and really in every religion, is this, is how do I become good? Like, how do I become godly? Because that's the question. It's like, we, we start off with a relationship, but how do I become godly? And every religion has its pathway to godliness, and there's a pathway in Christianity, but the problem happens is somewhere along the way, we start to follow Christ, but then we start to look at pathways of works and pathways of things, and we decide it's about that. I mean, this problem that we've had is so foundational to our faith. It actually starts off with the first story in the Bible, Adam and Eve. So we get confused sometimes when we think Adam and Eve is a story about rebellion, or it's a story where Eve chose whether to sin or not sin, or choose God or choose evil. Really, when you look at the story, Eve's not choosing God or evil. Eve's not choosing rebellion. Eve's choosing a way of becoming godly. See, she sees something, and what Satan does is he tempts her in a way that makes her believe that she's missing out on something. And God had told him, he goes, if you eat from that, it will literally kill you. Not figuratively. It will literally kill your soul. And so in Genesis 3, 4 to 7, this is Satan responding. He says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat it, eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. See, what does he say? You will be like God. What is he going after? He's going, Eve, you can become godly. You will know good and evil. Knowledge is something we go after. It says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was apparently standing by and waiting to see what happened to her first. No, that's right. So many people blame me. I'm like, where's Adam? He's probably just sitting there going, if she burst into the flames, God made me a new one. You know, I don't know. It says, then the, then the eyes of them both were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, Satan didn't appeal to sin. Satan appealed to what we all want. 
We all want to make our own decisions. We all want to be smart enough that we know what's right and wrong. We all want to know enough so that we don't have to rely on anybody else. He said, you can be like God, therefore you don't need God. Here's the problem. Whenever we try to be like God or be God, there's two results. And there's results that even Adam had. It's a loss of innocence and shame. See, immediately they found out what they didn't know. They found out what they had done wrong, and there was shame that happened there. God was looking for them later on, and they were hiding. See, when we go down the wrong path, that's what happens. We try to do things our own way, and what happens? We, we go after it, we go after it, we realize we're doing the wrong thing, we realize we're going the wrong way, and we have shame, and so we don't want to go back to God. So what we have to do is we have to, from the get-go, we have to figure out the differences between a religion, which is based on rules, and a relationship with Christ. I want to give you some, some things that go back and forth. One focuses on what you do. I don't know what happens along the way, but somewhere along the way, we become a Christian and we decide it's all about what you do. It's, do you read the Bible? How much do you read? How many times do you read? What time do you read in the morning? I had somebody tell me, if you don't read the Bible at 5 o'clock in the morning, then you're just not following Jesus. I'm like, that's nice, but I don't understand anything at 5 o'clock in the morning, so that's not possible. Or it's like, I go on this, I serve this many people, I've gone on this many mission trips. And somewhere along the line, it becomes not about serving God, it becomes about what I'm doing to do something good. And what we do is we start focusing on what I've done and what other people haven't done. Because I'll be honest with you right now, this is, this, is, this is a dark part of all of our hearts, but it's something even myself. Like, so we foster, and we've been fostering, and it's like, I, we don't do fostering for everyone to know about it because it's way too much for that, but there are times... Where we foster, and I look at other people, and I go, well, I foster, what do you do? Or they've been blessed with something, and I go, well, I'm doing this. Come on, God, what's going on? And I have to check, whoa, that's not what we're doing it for. That's not why, why it's happening. See, the focus is, is something that it's on what I do instead of our focus should be on what Jesus has done. See, it's not focusing on what I've read. It's trying to find Jesus in everything I do. Guys, let me, let me tell you something about reading the Bible. It's never about distance. It's never about time. It's about finding Jesus in the Bible. It's about learning more about him. If you're not learning more about Jesus, you should stop reading. If you're not learning more about what it means to be a Christ follower, you should stop reading. It's not about distance whatsoever. In fact, uh, in John 5, 39 to 40, Jesus says this. He goes, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. This is Jesus saying, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. What is he saying? You're so focused on the knowledge, you don't even realize what it's about. You're more focused on knowing every word in the Bible than knowing the person that made it. And so that's the thing we've got to understand. It's like, it's not about doing all these things. So many times in Christianity, we're like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this. No, you get to know God. It's about finding out as much as you can about him. It's not say, I'm not saying you don't read the Bible. You should read it for a different reason. So when, when we go the wrong way, we focus on God's approval. Now, let me say this. Polls have shown that most people think God is angry at them. God is angry. God is disapproving. Uh, God never smiles. Like, God's looking at us, and he, he, he doesn't like us very much. And there's this idea that God's always out there trying to hurt us. Or I mean, it's interesting, right? Whenever somebody does something wrong, or somebody steps in a church, I hear this all the time, like somebody steps on church and they curse, and they're like, why? Because they, what, God's going to send a lightning bolt, right? <laughs> Which has never happened. 
But, you know, and that's what, it's that idea. I remember there was an app that came out called Hand of God. And what you did was it was this big finger, and you took the big finger, and you stamped out, and you killed people. And once you killed enough people, you got the lightning bolt, and you hit the lightning bolt, and it killed everyone. And that's the idea, though, I think, people have of God. It's almost like this. I don't like to bring up this movie because it's so weird, and it's going to give me nightmares tonight, but The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> like, I don't... I think you need to be high to understand it. Like, I don't, I don't understand why that happens. But anyway, but what happens? They get to the wizard. What happens? They walk in. Is he happy? No, he's pissed off. He's mad. Why are you even here? And wish he, I want to go home. Well, first off, go get the broom. Then I will give you what you want. This is what we think of God. We go to talk to him. He, we think he's going, why are you here? Well, I want to do this. Well, go save 100 people that don't have it. But we think that's what it is. And so we go out and we do these things because we think God's angry and we need his approval. Some of us just see him as the same way we see our own father. Because it says God the Father, and some of our fathers have been looking for their approval our entire life and never got it. And we think it's the same way. See, that's not what we should focus on at all because, one, God's not that way. What we should focus on is how to receive God's love. See, here's what's crazy. God already knew what, we're, what we've done, God already knows what we're going to do, yet he still likes us. And I say like on purpose. He loves us, but he also likes us. Because you've heard your parents say this before. I love you right now, but I just don't like you. Maybe that was just my parents. Um, but it's true. He loves us and he likes us. He wants to be around us. He doesn't like us, our sin. He doesn't like to see us hurting. He doesn't like those things, but he loves us and he likes us. The problem is when we think God doesn't love us or like us or loves us but doesn't like us, we go into situations differently. For some of you, you're walking in here tonight because you felt like you had to and it's time of worship. You're like, hey, maybe I should worship, but then you're like, I don't even deserve to. I'm not good enough to do that. Or you're just thinking, I can't do those things. There's times where you go, I should pray for this, but I don't deserve it yet. Here's the problem with that idea. God is always, always sitting there open arm, ready to receive your love. There is never a time, no matter what you've done, that you run towards God and there's a scowl on his face. There's never a time where you run towards God and he looks at you mean going, why are you running towards me? Every time, no matter what we've done, we can run towards him. Romans 5 eight says it this way. He goes, but God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. See, love changes everything. Love never condemns or chastises or holds grudges. Love just loves and is always available. See, when we focus on receiving God's love, we're not worried about what we need to do. We know it's going to happen no matter what. See, when we go the wrong way, it focuses on our external duty. It's like that idea of something you have to do. It's this idea of, like, this is the checklist that I have to do in order. You, when you don't love someone and they give you a checklist of things to do, is it a joy to do? No. But I've seen guys who are absolutely in love that have checklists from their wives or from their girlfriend that they're thrilled about. I'm like, why are you happy about it? I'm in love. Well, good for you. <laughs> it changes everything. All of a sudden, you're like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to help out with those things. See, the problem is when we focus on religion and rules, it's all about duty. It's something that I have to do. But the other way, it focuses on our inward desire. It's this idea that I get to do these things. Sometimes I seriously can't believe I get to do what I do up here. 
mean, I look back on my high school, I was the biggest introvert ever. I, I look at my life and I go, I, I, it surprises me. And it's something, though, that I just love to do. It's funny, I will sometimes be in the car, and this is, I don't know, maybe this is kind of a, a dorky, but I'll, I'll be going through, me- it is dorky, you know how you do this. I'll be going through message ideas in my head, and they'll, like, come together right, and I'll be saying it out loud, and I'll get into it, and I'll look over to my right, and someone will be looking at me, and they think I'm yelling at someone through an invisible mic, but really, I'm just telling them about Jesus, but I'm like so excited about what's going on. It's something that I get to do. See, church, God, this is something that I get to do. Why? Because I love God. 1 John 5, 3 says it this way. Now, I want you guys to get this. It says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. I want to stop on that real quick. Just leave that slide up there. It says, but God demonstrates his own love. Go on to the next, next verse, 1 John 5, 3. There we go. Uh, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Whoever has the Son has life. Who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let me say this. It is absolutely burdensome. To, that's a, not an easy word to say. It is absolutely hard to follow after God if you don't love him. It's impossible. If you're not in love with God, everything the Bible tells you to do, you're like, gosh, really? I have to do this? It is absolutely burdensome to follow God if you're not in love with Him, but if you are, it's something that comes easy. So how do we get to this place? You're like, well, how do I fall in love with God? That sounds kind of weird. Like, how do I do this? Here's, here's how you do it. You focus on who He is. You focus on what He's done. You, you focus on the fact that there's a God up in heaven that saw me for who I am and chose to sacrifice his son. See, what's crazy is he sacrificed his son for me, that on the cross for me. There's nobody else around me that really wants to do that. But he decided to do it no matter what. See, we don't have to be religious because once you're in love with God, the whole idea of becoming a Christian is a joy. That whole idea of serving others is a joy. John 14, 15 says it this way. It says... If you love me, you will obey my commands. See, we read this the wrong way many times. Next, next slide, John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Here's how some of us read this. If you love me, then you're going to do what I say because I told you to. No, here, here's what it, it's purposely in this order. If you love me, if you absolutely are in love with me, you absolutely know who I am and know that I love you and sacrifice for you and care for you and want the best for you, then you will naturally obey my commands. But if you don't love me, if you think I'm this domineering God that just wants to blot you out and wants to catch you on everything that I'm doing, you're not going to want to obey me. See, it's purposeful. It's love first, then obey. If you absolutely love God, the obeying becomes much easier. It's kind of like this. I, Chrissy and I have been married now for 13 years. Which is, it's weird when it's 13, you're like, it's not a lucky year. Um, let's just move on quick. Let's get to February. But we've been married for 13 years. I don't wake up every morning going, man, I really need to focus on not cheating on Chrissy. Like, I don't, I don't do that. Like, I don't wake up every morning, man, okay, today how? Don't cheat on Chrissy. Don't cheat on Chrissy. Like, I don't have to do that. Why? Because I love her. I love her. I do. And so what do I do? I love her. I care about her. And because I love her, I focus on loving her and serving her. As long as I love her and care about her and serve her, the thought of cheating never comes up. Now, the moment that I see her as something different, the moment I see her as something that 
I, I deserve more, or why does she do that, or what she's doing is wrong, then all of a sudden it comes into play. But as long as I look at her with love, as long as I see her as someone who loves me, it's very easy to do the things that show her that love. It's the same thing with God. When we love Him, it's much easier. It's much easier to follow His commands. Now here's something that can, it's, it's, this is one of your check your heart things. Pay attention to who you condemn. Because this is something that Satan works overtime on. In fact, the moment you walk out this door, he's going to do this. Because you're going to walk out this door and this is going to be, this is the biggest temptation every time you get together in a group. You walk out the door and you want to talk about the people you just saw. No. Yes, you do. Some of you are texting about them right now. It, it happens. What we do, and here's what we do many times and we get caught up in. You want to know your heart's in the wrong place? You condemn others. You focus on other people's sin and what they're doing wrong. Now, it doesn't mean we don't see other people's sin. In fact, if we see other people's sin and we care about them and we love them, we go and talk to them. But when we're focused on the wrong side of it, we condemn everyone. All we do is we walk around and we talk trash about everyone. We condemn everyone. We tell everybody, you've done this wrong. They've done this wrong. Anytime anybody brings up anyone, you go, yeah, but did you know they did this? And we bring up those things. It's the easiest way to find out if your heart's in the wrong place is the way you think about other people. And so what we do is we, we fall in love with Jesus. We make sure we, we, our heart is in the right place and we don't condemn. And then we have to actually make the choice every day. Deut Deuteronomy 30, 19 says it this way. It says, this day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. Because every day when you get up, you have a choice. You can choose life, you can choose freedom, or you can choose rules. Every day when you get up, you can choose to look at God as a God who loves you, or a God that's looking down on you and condemning you. When you make the right choice every morning, your day goes different, your life goes different, you have more choices, and you see what's possible. When you look at God the other way, you think there's nothing possible, and I might as well do it on my own. Because I want you to understand this so much, because we're going into this next season. Those of you who've been Christians a long time, we fall back into this so often. We fall back into the rules, we fall back into the, but I have to do this. Always remember, always remember, it's about God. He already loves you enough. Anytime you feel far away from him, you have the opportunity to run to him. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that uh, you allow us to come here on a Tuesday night and just uh, worship you. God, I pray uh, tonight that, that our hearts are understanding what you're saying. God, I pray tonight that those of us that are hanging on unto a different gospel, the idea that it's all about works, it's all about what I do. God, I pray that you would help crack away at that, chisel away at those beliefs, God, so that, that that is not something that we believe. God, I pray. pray that everyone leaves today with more freedom. God, I pray everyone leaves today without talking trash about people as they walk out. God, I pray that you clear our minds of those things. We look to encourage and love. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.